Hello and welcome to the Empathy for Breakfast show. I am Mimi Nicklin and I am your host of a show that travels the world, talking to people from all corners of our planet about empathy, about our ability to connect and to understand each other and how that is changing our world. These conversations won't only unpack the amazing power of empathy in our societies and our businesses, but they will remind us that we are all far more alike than we are different. I believe that there has never been a better time to talk about empathy, to talk about our need to reconnect as people, as human beings. The more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. So let's get talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Empathy for Breakfast show. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Yasmin Hamad, who is here in Dubai with me. She is on a boundless search of ways to make this world a kinder and more peaceful place for us and all of our future generations. So she couldn't be a more perfect guest for a show all about empathy. She's worked with various NGOs in Cairo and Dubai, and she's written her first incredibly beautiful children's book, back in 2019, which we will touch on today. So Yasmin, hello, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Hi Mimi, thank you so much for having me here. You are more than welcome. I can't wait to have this conversation. I mean, empathy and kindness are so much two sides of the same coin and I really am looking forward to unpacking that. So let's start with empathy, given we're on an empathy show. Why don't you tell us all, from your point of view, what does empathy mean to you? Personally, for me, empathy is giving a safe space for someone to share their story and when they do share their story uh, it's about listening wholeheartedly without judging without giving feedback or advice at this moment in time but just like Brene Brown always says sit with them in the dark and connect to the emotion that they are experiencing so they know that they're not alone so for me this is empathy I love that creating space creating space to be able to understand people I think that's such a beautiful description now many people ask me you know what's the difference between empathy and kindness is there a difference which of course there absolutely is so why don't you tell us what you see what is the connection between the two what is the difference between the two and where do they cross over of course so I really believe that both empathy and kindness, they are interweaved on the larger scheme in the social um, emotional skills realm. Uh, but there are two types. So when you have the ability to be uh, to show empathy, you are more likely to be kind to others. So for example, uh, bullying and teasing. So I'm going to give you an example about Alia, my daughter, with her big hair. So let's say I know how Alia feels every time somebody comments on her hair, not in a very kind way. Uh, that's empathy, me knowing how she feels about it. Now, if I refrain from saying, hey, your hair looks crazy again today, then this is kindness. So that's effective empathy, which again results in a kind act that comes afterwards. And now using the same example, so in most cases, empathy promotes kindness, but some cases it doesn't. So for example, if Alia is crying about another hair comment, and I see what happened and I understand why she's upset, but I don't feel the same way myself, then that's perspective taking and that's cognitive empathy. So sometimes empathy, they they are connected, but they don't always show up together. So kindness is an expression of empathy, but it doesn't always come as a result of empathy. Absolutely. I mean, I think I always say, you know, empathy is not about agreement. It's not about judgment. And it's not about the actions that then follow from that. So 
as you said, you can empathize with someone and choose to be kind or choose not to be kind. But that doesn't mean you didn't empathize with them because obviously kindness is the action. Um, and I, you know, I love that summary you just gave. I think that was great. And, and thank you for sharing the example of your little girl. I also have very curly hair, so I can definitely, definitely empathize with her. <laughs> Tell us, Yasmin, a little bit about the science because... In my space as well in empathy, I try to use as much science or data as possible to make this really understandable for people. So I know there's a lot of science behind kindness and, and you know, what is the impact when you are kind or, or, or a given kindness by someone else? What are the physical, emotional and, and biological impacts of that on, on us and on our world? All right. OK, so I get very excited about that question. There's a lot to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to try and simplify it. So what happens is our brain, when it receives kindness, there's a big positive psychological uh, reaction. So the first thing that happens in the brain that it releases something called, it's a neurotransmitter uh, chemical, it's called oxytocin, and it goes inside your body. And some people call it the love hormone, because if you hug someone, actually oxytocin gets released. And what happens is it triggers another uh, chemical called uh, the nitric oxide in the body, and that dilates the blood vessels. So it lowers your blood pressure, it protects your heart. So some people actually call it cardioprotective uh, hormone. And then the oxytocin as well uh, plays a big role in self-esteem and optimism and um, the sense of connectedness and the sense of trust in humans. So that's one. And then there's also um, endorphins that gets released, which is a natural painkiller. Um, it gets released when someone actually does an act of kindness or receives it. And then there's elevated levels of dopamine um, from the helper's high. And then kind people age slower so there is a statistic uh, about that which is um, apparently continuously kind people have 23% less cor uh, cortisol which is the stress hormone and age slower than the average population so again you know uh, you don't need fillers or collagen or anything <laughs> which is amazing and then there is uh, yeah exactly there's the new science of neuroplasticity you know that changes in the brain and again, kindness is an enhancer of neuroplasticity. So when you get used to having kind and positive thoughts, you know, you, you, you kind of change the brain, not functionalities, but, you know, the science of your brain and uh, the neuroscience as well. So neuroplasticity for a, uh, for a positive purpose. And uh, kindness stimulates the production of serotonin, which is the feel-good hormone. Again, it heals wounds, calms, and increases happiness. And the magical part about all of this is that not only the person who's doing the act of kindness, um, and the person who's receiving but if somebody is watching from across the street he gets the same impact on his body so it's uh, absolutely magical yeah <laughs> I love that I mean the magical science of kindness that should be the book that we write together I you know it's great to hear all of the science behind it you know oxytocin all of the sort of neurobiology that's going on dopamine all those fabulous things that help us feel good and, and you touched on that there they impact our health you know when I talk about empathy in the workplace which again of, of course often comes with kindness kind responses um see immunity levels go up so you know these positive emotions impact our health and as you kindly just said stop us looking so old or getting so old so quickly so if anyone needs a reason to be kind there we go less money on Botox more <laughs> Um, but so, I mean, with our children, and obviously your book is a children's book, I have a, a little girl, it seems 
pretty obvious to me that if we are kinder to our children and our children to the world, so we create a kinder world, we're also going to see our children do better. I mean, is that a fair assumption, both from a learning point of view, but also a a growing point of view? Absolutely. I mean, if you're a role model and you're showing them the way, because innately everyone is born kind, you know what I mean? And then whatever happens inside and their surroundings, it shapes them. So if a child is born within that environment where they see the mom, you know, baking a cake and giving it to the neighbor, saying hello to the guard at the gate, all of that, that resonates with them and they start behaving, they start mirroring uh, your behavior. So, uh, so yeah, so absolutely. I mean, children, they, there's an algorithm to children's well-being as well so um, you know and with kindness and putting it out there um, it, there's physical health there's feeling of happiness and then you know all of that is um, it influences the children of how they interact in their environment so if we're looking at impacting their ability to learn and grow from kindness we would be looking at um, again the science of kindness you know they're going to be happy caring children they're going to have greater sense of belonging as well. They're going to have increased peer accepting, uh, less bullying because they know what kindness is all about. Um, you know, and like we said in the, in the science of kindness, there's the health and less uh, stress. Uh, there's the incre- increased feeling of gratitude and there's the better concentration uh, because of the serotonin and the chemical effects um, and their mood and their sleep. So with all the signs and then you have the behavior and the social part and the role modeling, you know, you can shape the child early on in their earlier years. I think it's such an amazing conversation because it's not just about how we treat each other. You know, I think lots of people think kindness is just about behavior. It's how we behave to others, which of course it is. But when I hear you today, it's about about our health, it's about how we grow. I mean, and I would imagine neither of us are, are scientists, but there would be a very strong link to, you know, fighting off chronic disease, chronic pain, uh, diseases like cancer. I recently had a, a guest on my show, Almudana Gill, who is a three-time cancer survivor. And she talks a lot, she's done a lot of studying in those three bouts of cancer. And she talks a lot about how cancer is an emotional disease. And that by using more positivity, gratitude, vision in the world, you can protect yourselves. So yes, I mean, we're talking about how important kindness is to our children. They grow, they learn, there's emotional development. Should we therefore have a, a kindness curriculum? Is this something that schools all over the world should be teaching? Absolutely. I mean, there are schools that are teaching that already in the US and the UK. And um, it, it goes under the name of social emotional learning. And again, it has kindness, it has empathy, and it has compassion. And um, with Blossoming Kindness, we, we started uh, piloting in one of the schools schools in, um, in Dubai, uh, try testing out the program, which is, you know, which is focused on kindness, but it starts with being kind to yourself first. So understanding your emotions, um, you know, eating well, exercising and all of that, and being able to respond to your emotions. So for example, not talking negatively to yourself. If you have that kind of angry emotion, it's okay to be angry, but understanding how to deal with it. So this is the type of activities that we are providing them. And then the second pillar is um, kindness to others. Again, you know, your peers, everyone around you. And the third pillar is kindness to the environment and nature. So overall, it's a program that covers, you know, different aspects of the community. Again, to enhance the social emotional experience for the children inside the school. So in a recent study, uh, students who participated in evidence-based social and emotional learning, which is SEL programs, scored 13 points higher academically and 6% higher high school graduation rate and 11% 
more likely to graduate from school. So combined with the science, you know, the social, emotional and the cognitive learning tools, it actually contributes to the children achieving self-regulation and it promotes health, financial stability and educational attainment in adulthood. So collectively, it does create a more conscious society that mindfully and genuinely care about every living thing on the earth. So yourself, others and the planet that's sitting ahead of you. So just so much good. And what I find really interesting there is that empathy as well, we always explain to people that has to start with self empathy. So once you can, you know, really curate your self empathy, then you can improve how you empathize with the world. And I took away from you very much a similar state with kindness, be kind to yourself, and then you can move on and be kind to others and the world. Now, you mentioned briefly in some of that sort of strong data there you mentioned adulthood briefly at the end I think you were talking about financial freedom how can we use more kindness at work we've talked about schools I do lots of work with corporates and you know I often hear feedback well it's impossible you know does kindness have a place in the workplace because aren't we all there just to do our work what do you think you know does kindness have a role in the workplace and if so how are we how are we doing that yeah so you know I mentioned before that we are innately and naturally kind human beings we're born kind so the research across neuroscience and evolutionary psychology and other fields has shown that kindness and compassion they come naturally to human beings so um, it creates you know kindness brings communities together and it will do the same in offices and workplaces so I would highly suggest that every entity or workplace would actually explore doing you know activities together or some kind of make it within their business culture that they spread kindness awareness so there are like fun stuff you can do there are stuff that you can do with your you know digital peers so it's it's creating that kind of awareness first you know and adapting the kindness um, within the culture itself okay so kindness is a secret ingredient to any workplace you know there are activities and practices that business can add to their culture and not only for the staff it's about the community again it's the security guard it's the person who cleans the office it's the secretary who's sitting and sending out the email so again um, if the management starts by being the role model and then spreading it all out, it will be the culture of the office itself. So I remember you wrote something like this in your book, um, which was, you know, if the businesses that truly succeed are the ones that put their caring economy alongside the sharing economy, you know, in order to make profit. So again, it's, it's combining all of that. And it's like the school programs. It's actually um, putting the social and emotional, you know, tools on the table for these guys. Because every, every, every human being that goes to work has their story and has their reasons why they're behaving the way they're behaving so we don't need to get to know them and be best friends but we need to just have that kind of you know breaking the barrier and having that kind of um, you know emotional ease when you're talking to them without judging and uh, without even knowing the story but just having like a kind relationship in the office absolutely and you know you and I share a lot of passion around that of course most of my work is in a very a very similar space. Now, you talk then about understanding people's stories, and obviously everyone has a story. Um, tell us yours. So how did you discover this passion for kindness and, and this gift that you were giving to the world in terms of your book, Blossoming Kindness, and the work with schools? Just uh, tell us a little bit about your story. How did you discover this? I'm very, I have to say, I'm very fortunate to be um, surrounded by a very kind bunch of people, you know, from my parents, my family, my sisters, and my very close friends. Like, you you know, they taught me that kindness could be unconditional and altruistic. So 
I've seen things happen, you know, and uh, so I was surrounded by that. And I think, you know, growing up and seeing my parents giving back to the community and, you know, displaying all of that, it's easy to, you know, when, when obviously when I was evolving as a mom and a person, you know, I was looking at my children and I'm like, yeah, I need to teach them. I need to teach them and I give them the tools to understand themselves and be able to go out in the world independently. And, you know, kindness was one of the things that I was really attracted to. So, and I started exploring start researching and I started journaling and when I was journaling you know the whole idea of the book came together so um, and as the old saying goes um, once you become aware your energy goes where your attention flows so whatever I was teaching my children I wanted to share it with the world and that's how the Blossom and Kindness Initiative came to life. I love that. And I love that phrase about energy and, and, you know, attention. It's so, so totally true. So as we begin to sort of come to a close, can you tell everyone where can they find your book and perhaps just a little bit more about your Blossoming Kindness School Initiative so people know what you're doing and where they can find you? Of course. So um, let's start with the Blossom and Kindness Initiative. Uh, the, um, I have a website, which is www.blossomingkindness.com. And it has, uh, if anybody wants to inquire about the schools, they can go and send an email there. And I do have a few free activities up there as well, if parents are homeschooling or, or teachers. So they're actually tailored for teachers and parents who would like to do them at home. And the book also, you can find it on the website. So it's being sold in, in the Amazon, on Amazon, um, US, UAE, and a lot of, and um, who else? And then you have them in the States, Barnes and Noble, and Target, and Walmart. So you'll, you'll find a lot of logos out there yeah, where you can actually um, uh, buy the book from there. Wonderful. So, I mean, I highly recommend it. I have a copy of the book. I read it with my little girl. Uh, so anyone listening, if you're a parent or you have a child anywhere in your life, uh, definitely pop over and look at blossomingkindness.com. Now, before we finish, one last question. I like to always end with a question all about you. This is a show about empathy and about us understanding other human beings. So given we're sharing breakfast today, if you could share breakfast, Yasmin, with any one person or people, who would it be with? Where would you go? And what would you be having? You know, that was a very difficult question because at the beginning it was like, oh, should it be Dr. Joe Dispenza or should it be that? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who inspire me, but I would go with my dad, believe it or not, somewhere in Italy by the ocean and, you know, eating cheese and bread, whatever cheese or whatever bread, like we don't have a specific brand and just enjoy <laughs> a storytelling session and that's it. And I think this is what I'm craving the most right now. I love that answer. And I have to say, I think I would say nearly identical. Uh, if I if I could sit by the ocean with my mum and dad right now, and as you said, eat any peas and any bread, I definitely do that. So thank you, Yasmin. That was Yasmin Hamad. She's been here with me today talking about her book, Blossoming Kindness, and about why kindness is so very important in our world, in our schools, and in our families. Yasmin, thank you for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's great. Thank you. And with that... Another episode of the Empathy for Breakfast show comes to a close. I would like to thank IQ Films, who produced this episode, and DJ Ciel for my soundtrack and music. Do join me online to carry on the conversation. I'm incredibly active on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, at Mimi Nicklin. I would love to talk to you all more. Meanwhile, spread the word, share the empathy. Because after all, the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. I'm Mimi Nicklin. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you again on the Empathy for Breakfast show.